Craft Beer Radio, episode 382, on May 27th, 2016. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. I'm not going to try to, yeah. to uh, freestyle that one. Old Skilo. Old Skilo song. Okay. How's everyone doing tonight? I'm doing great. Yeah, we just spent a little over two hours uh, prepping all the content for the saver things that we'll be posting. Mm-hmm. Next weekend, um, Greg and Nick are going. I'm going to stay home and be a soccer coach and dad this year. So he's got to do that sometimes. Sometimes family takes precedence. There'll be many years where I don't have anything else to do and I will go. All right, let's start with this Agave Cerveza, numero uno from Flying Dog Brewery. So this bad boy... Is 4.9% alcohol by volume, 20 IBUs. They use as specialty malts, Bonn, Munich, and flaked maize, corn. Uh, and hops are Hillertau and Zotz. And I assume it also has agave in it. Agave and lime zest. Lime zest. Hmm. So sort of a, a take on a Corona-type yeah. beer. Yeah, I think that's kind of the idea. Mexican lager, mm-hmm. put some cactus in there for optimal freshness. Enjoy this by September, so it's still fresh. All right, sounds good. Color is a very, very pale straw, very clear and crisp and clean looking. Got a finger's worth of a nice, fluffy, almost shaving cream-like head. Pretty big on the lime zest aroma. Mm-hmm. Getting a lot of oily, like citrus oil yeah. aroma. Yeah, that keeps coming. The the lime oil, definitely. And then the agave is agave nectar. Mm-hmm. Not like... Not like leaves. Whatever else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might be. More like, you know, the time we cooked with a prickly pear or something. Right, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not like the flesh or anything like that. Agave, of course, the uh, cactus that they make tequila out of. Yeah, the, the aroma, to me, I'm going to take a couple more sniffs before I dive in, but, I mean, it, it's the volatile oils from the lime, mm-hmm. lime zest. You get those kind of oily citrus-type aroma. That's the main thing on it. Has kind of like a cream ale type flavor to it, right? With the corn, you know, you get oh. kind of kind of corny maltiness. Yeah, it has um, a, a um, yeah, mouthfeel much like a cream ale. So maybe this isn't a lager. I said Mexican lager just because of the the style, you know, of the label. Oh, well, Hiller Talon Zotz, you yeah. figure that's yeah, but from the flavor, I mean, it's fairly estery. You get the corn. It, well, they use corn in those in those lagers too, so do doesn't necessarily like to be. Yeah, oh, sure. I guess yeah. So it's cheaper. So I mean, it, it just goes with the style. I think. Yeah. I mean, this is but this is an example where the corn's actually bringing flavor instead of to well, be well, right? Because they're I think yeah. you know flying dog is trying to do something with it as opposed to just using it as a cheap mm-hmm. uh, adjunct instead of um, barley. But yeah, it it comes. There is a different. 
I noticed that some cream ales are that I, are stuff I really like, and some are ones I dislike. And the ones that I really like are the ones that have a taste of like, um, kind of a, 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 a almost tortilla chip, just like a cracked mm-hmm. corn, a fresh cracked corn taste. And the ones that I dislike are the ones that go into creamed corn. Okay, uh, and so because I you know those get DMSE and they get lots of. Mm-hmm. Other stuff, and I think this is—it's not quite on the soup. It's, it's a little bit straddling both lines, I think. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it makes me think of creamed corn, but it's not DMSE mm-hmm. or over the top or anything like that. It doesn't feel like um, fresh ground corn right. meal or tortillas or anything. Kind of enjoy the drinking though. The, uh, the agave nectar is not really apparent to me. I'm not noticing much. And neither is the lime. It's not too apparent. I mean, it's there, but it's mm-hmm. not overwhelming which is you know the, the right move you don't want to you know yeah i think the lime up. is it's about what you would expect right yeah. i mean it's not super light it's not overpowering but it's it's there it's present and it gives it a nice flavor mm-hmm. to it you yeah know? i think this is an example of a, a beer that you would give to a, to somebody who who drinks corona and they would say oh my god it's it's too Full because they're not mm-hmm. used to this sort right. of fullness of flavor, but you know one or two in and, and they won't care, uh, and you certainly feel better about drinking this than you would a Corona or something. Yeah, yeah, I think this is is nice light in your nice and light on your palate. It's refreshing. I think this is uh, an enjoyable drink. I'm mm-hmm. I could see myself drinking this again. Yeah, it doesn't skimp out. It doesn't feel cheap, but it is. In that style, mm-hmm. I picked this up at uh, D's when I was out there a couple weeks ago. Cool, numero uno agave cerveza. Kind of is a, me- a Mexican thing going with the labeling. They have the Mexican colors. Yeah, can't tell exactly what the, what this Ralph Steadman artwork is. Guy's wearing a sombrero, but he's not really. Not really a dog, I don't think. I don't know. Um, yeah, it could be like... Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is odd. Hmm. Let's do this Yards next. All right. Going on to an IPA. Saw this one on the shelf at D's also. And it was a to me. It's a new beer from Yards. I haven't had the opportunity to try this one yet, so I wanted to give it a try. Golden Hop IPA. They call it a light India Pale Ale. Six percent. I wonder what that means. Six hmm. percent alcohol by volume. Fifty five IBUs. Here are the so they add wheat to the malt bill, hopped with mosaic, amarillo, and cascade. And they use a Belgian yeast. So it's a Belgian IPA. Okay. Mm, mosaic. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, what would you call that? Maybe a bronzish? Yeah, I'd go with bronze. Kind of, yeah. It's not golden, has a little yeah. more orange to it. It's very clear, but yeah, it kind of has that 
Looks like a nice polished uh, bronze, you know, brass instrument or something like that. Yep. So maybe brass is the brass. There you go. Nice big fluffy head. Mm, very, uh, very pineapple-y kind of. Pineapple-y, uh, big malt, big um, biscuity or crackery oh, yeah. malt yeah, on definitely. there. You know, it's it's East Coast IPA. You know, or English. You know, yards makes an IPA, which is kind of an English style IPA. Mm. This one also carries that big malt aroma. It smells delicious. Pineapple. I'm getting something that's reminding me a little bit. The, I mean, the, the mosaic isn't straight up apparent mm-hmm. from to me in the aroma. I'm actually smelling something that reminds me a little bit of Simcoe, where it's a little bit, a little bit dank, a little it's bit amarillo. Sulfuric. So that, amarillo, that's okay, what it is. yeah. Uh, they say this is. A January release is this seasonal. But we're not too far from January. Five months. Right. Do they have any kind of decoding on here? Didn't see any. Nope. So they also added a wheat, you say? Yes. pretty juicy ipa mm. you know the the maltiness is there but there's a big juiciness that plays right in with the hops kind of a uh almost like pancakes and syrup oh, or something like that yeah right? that's not yeah pancakes maybe waffles something along those yeah wa- waffles but you know kind of like that texture you get when they're doused in you know think of the the fake syrup with you know a sugary mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. thing right where you know you don't get a big mapley flavor but you know once you get that you get a sweetness yeah you know, once you get that bread doused in a syrup that's kind of what's reminding me of the the hops are coming through less grapefruity more more closer to the in the in the tropical area not really pineapple though. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little kiwi. I'm trying to some mango. Some mango, like mango skin. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I'm most equating it with is kind of like the mm-hmm. skin of the mango. It's weird. They're not directly. It doesn't directly come to any fruits, right? It's, it's sort of offshoots of mm-hmm. other fruits. I don't think it's carryover from the last beer, but I think there's like a little bit of lime notes in here too. Like lime zest or lime pith or something like that. Well, there is that Belgian the Belgian yeast that they use there, so that could oh, be contributing. Forgot about that. That actually explains a lot of the the, the, the sweet mouthfeel, mm-hmm. the esteriness in there, and a little bit of the aftertaste is, is giving a, just a slight, like little bit of leatheriness, just enough to. That you almost wouldn't detect it if you weren't looking for it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little now that I'm looking now that I'm examining the esters from mm-hmm. a Belgian yeast, right? I'm tasting pear. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. This really does come across as kind of a more of a fruit punch, mm-hmm. as as opposed to uh, one or two different fruits, right? There's a yeah. kind of combination of fruit flavors. It's See, interesting. Yeah. Now that I'm looking at it with a, a Belgian yeast lens, I'm tasting a bunch of different things I wasn't tasting when I was looking at it from 
an IPA lens. Absolutely. Information is always helpful for these things. Yeah. Uh, just to give you an idea of how to look at the beer. Um, I know some people are just say blind is the only way to do it. And of course, when they, when they rate these, when, when, or when they do a competition, they, they do it blind. But I think that if you really want to analyze a beer, you have to know what's in it too. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's merits for both. Mm-hmm. I love doing blind tasting, you know, striving to just go right off on your senses but you could easily convince yourself of something that's not there Mm -hmm. we did that when we did the blindfolded show right absolutely and yeah like i said like when i'm using a lens a belgian yeast lens i'm looking for things that i've built up in my vocabulary Mm -hmm. in my memory of things Belgians can add to beer. And I'm like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Right, right. There's that, which I might not have picked up otherwise. It gives you a context to understand some of the stuff you're getting. And so you can, it helps you basically categorize what you have. Whereas they could either get lost or they could give give you a totally different impression if you don't have that context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm finishing off my sample here. Starting to notice more bitterness. Butters is built through the six ounces of the sample. So they, oh, they use Cascade in the hot back. Okay. This is an interesting beer. Yeah. Um, you know, a Belgio wheat IPA. The Belgian's not a huge character. It's not like a, a triple IPA. It's not like Raging Bitch or anything. Right. And, the, and the wheat more gives it a slightly, I don't know, more glutinous mouthfeel than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is interesting. Yeah. Good job, Yards. Two good beers so far. Mm-hmm. Two good beers that are relatively local to us. Yep. All right. So should we go with the... Well, well let's start with the IPA. So. Well, yeah, well, these two are hoppy. Mm-hmm. This beer wasn't all that hoppy, so I think we'll do a hoppy. We'll break with the Goza. We'll go back to hoppy. Well, what I think is we should do the other beer that's local to us, and then we'll go around okay. the, the the country and the world. All right. So, so Heavy Seas. This was this is given to us by the Heavy Seas rep. Yep. Thank you, Heavy Seas. Loose Cannon. Uh, American IPA, seven point two five percent alcohol by volume. The malts that are used are Two Row, Caramalt, and Munich. Uh, the hops, Warrior, Simcoe, Palisade, Centennial, Cascade, Citra. Traditional malting, uh, I would say relatively traditional late phase two hopping. Okay. <laughs> In terms, you know, like yeah. series two IPAs. Yeah, it's not just Cascade, Chinook, yeah. and Centennial. Sure. Um, so they call this their... Hop cubed, hop to the third, mm-hmm. hop three IPA. I'm not sure how they would want us to pronounce it, but there's a hop with a superscript three IPA. This is what they call their flagship, also. So that's conversation. That, um, stop me if I talked about this mm-hmm. the last time we had a heavy seas beer. But when I was talking with the rep. I'm like, you know, I, I, I picture you as an English style brewery. I, I never really imagine. Heavy Seas or formerly Clipper City. You have talked about yeah. this, but I'll believe It's an IPA brewery, mm-hmm. and now they say that this is their flagship. Right. So it, it certainly goes to show that uh, 
my impression of the brewery is at least to some degree not accurate. So the last one was what do we call it? A, a, a brass. A brass is more of a bronze, right? Yeah. This is darker in in color, more on the red side. Still very clear. Still very clear. But I do have a little like little floaters in there or something. Like a little bit of sediment floating in there. Uh they call it hop three because they hop loose cannon in the boil, the hop back, and the fermenter. Okay. Triple hopped. So it's not really hop cubed, even though they <laughs> Yeah. It's triple hopped. Yeah, it's just triple hopped. <laughs> it's like Miller. <laughs> the aroma so this beer is relatively fresh uh, mm-hmm. best by july 22nd so we still got two full months on it the aroma is more malty you know mm-hmm. there's some hops there but it's not uh not as hoppy as the yards i don't think I mean, the way it's hitting me is much more malty, much more um, uh, bread. I would say that the, the separation okay. of the hops from the malt is not as significant okay. as the yards. Uh, I don't know whether not as hoppy is, is quite the right way okay. I would put it, but that's that's kind of a semantic uh, discussion. I am smelling basically a, what I expected to smell from the hop profile and the malt profile mm-hmm. relatively crackery slightly caramel uh, right. malt and uh, somewhat piney and grapefruity aroma yeah you're right sir i'm digging into the aroma of trying to find you know more I'm try- i want to find that hops that i missed at first so i am smelling i agree with what you said a little bit piney grapefruity i'm Something a little herbal. Warrior is mostly bitter, right? Something just fell. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing has moved in here, but the six-pack holder that that these beers were all in just fell off the table. The ghost just pushed it off. Warrior is mostly bittering, right? Because I don't see like single-hop warrior beers. Um, (sighs) Yeah, I I would say so. I was making sure I, they weren't part of like the CTZs, but mm-hmm. there's no W in CTZ, so that, yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not it. Um, Let me yeah. go over the, these hops again: Warrior, Simcoe, Palisade, Centennial, Cascade, Citra. I mean, we're very familiar with Centennial, Cascade, and Citra and Simcoe. Warrior, Palisade, Warrior. We see a lot. I think it's more of a bittering hop. Palisade, not as familiar with. But I see it. Oh, the flavor gives me kind of a orange or tangerine punch it's pretty sweet pretty uh pretty juicy it actually was very pleasant uh so i I would say the citra and the um yeah i'm trying to remember what you just told me the the centennial cascade blend is kind of playing into that the simcoe i think they're giving a little bit more dankness to the overall picture Simcoe there to keep the hops from being too overtly grapefruity and too mm-hmm. just you know too, too pithy. Also, I think that Simcoe helps drop the pithiness right. a bit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I like tangerine. That's a good call. There's something that's reminding me, not straight up of the flavor, but I don't know. It's not really the the vaporization, but something minty, like a like a light, not peppermint, but just something vaguely minty. Once you said it, I started to taste it. So there's something there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. If, whether if you put on the mint lens, it makes the tangerine less less yeah. enjoyable. So yeah. don't look for the mint when you drink it. <laughs> Another example of how just having some context can totally mm. change the way you look and you, you taste, really. How, how your brain interprets something. Right. So this is interesting, having kind of two very multi-IPAs kind of side by side and how they had similar characteristics. They were both very juicy, you know, had that sweet mm-hmm. malt juice, um, citrus juice type of character to it. The um, okay, so I'm sorry. I don't want to get away, but mm-hmm. Warrior is uh, much like Nugget, uh, bittering hop. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of comparing the two apart from each other, you know, where the Yards had a couple of things going on that the uh, Loose Cannon didn't have the wheat and the Beljo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of had a bit of, I, I guess they both had a very similar hop blend to them, right? You got Citra Mosaic for the modern, then you have the, you know, some more traditional hops in there, so... Okay, so Warrior, as we said, Nugget, mm -hmm. similar. Palisade, similar to Willamette. So mostly an aroma hop, Mm -hmm. uh, concentrating on sort of fruity and floral stuff. Okay. Now Google will have information about hops in it, so that's how much Google has. Google has a little, like... Oh, look at that. It has a little info panel about the hop. Yeah. Put in that code name one from last week and see what it says. Zero seven two seven zero, I believe. <laughs> I don't think because it was palindrome. Yes, zero seven two. It does not have a thing an info that. panel. Yeah. yeah. Someday, someday it'll have an info panel <laughs> <laughs> when it gets named. Because I don't think experimental hot. I mean, it doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> it sounds sounds hard to get. Sounds rare. All right, next beer. This one's from Grand Teton Brewing Company, Jackson, or Jackson Highway, Victor, Idaho. This is their Cellar Reserve Goza sample, not for resale. Thank you, Grand Teton, sent it to us. So I'm looking at, uh, I don't know whether this is, you know, because we only have, we have the sample version, we don't have the actual version they have put into production, but I assume it's the same thing. Uh... 6.5% 6.5% alcohol by volume. Nine IBUs. They, it's brewed with uh, Yellowstone salt and coriander. Yep, and conditioned with, it says here, conditioned with lactobacillus. I would expect some that out of a goza. Yellowstone salt, she said? Yellowstone salt. Southern Idaho two-row pale malt. Uh... I'm familiar with the northern Idaho hops. <laughs> when we went on that Budweiser hop tour. Right. 
I'm curious about the Yellowstone Salt. I'm trying to look that up here. Is it a brand name, or does it have something to do with the park, or... Come on. I don't know. Why is your website so slow? It's a brand. It's a brand, okay. Purest, sustainably sourced, all-natural mineral salt on Earth. Is it really the purest? Because, I mean, I, I assume if you make it a laboratory, if you combine sodium and chloride, and you know, <laughs> that would be really the purest. Okay, so they have a lease on, on Salt Creek in Bridger Teton National Forest, Strong's Yellowstone Park. Uh, so I'm not going to read this whole thing, but typically these little artisanal salt places, they... Um, have these brine wells, right? Where they have a well that goes down to a salt mm-hmm. vein. They pump water into it. They bring out the briny water and then they dry it out and make salt. Is that the same way the Himalayan salt stuff is made, or is that mostly? I'm not sure about carved. Himal- that That's ions and feel good lamps and things like that. But I, no, but I also have, you know, I've seen yeah. it in shakers and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That, so. <laughs> I'm not sure. But I did see, like, there's. I saw a podcast or listened to a podcast about like some like amazing West Virginia salt that's like the James Beard award winning chefs use or something like that. And they salt make... does add lots of. I mean, salt is very important to flavor. Uh, it really brings out flavor, and it's not just sodium chloride. I no, guess. there is there's lots of minerals that do things. You know, fleur de sol is mm-hmm. is French for salt of the sea. That's very important to different things. Yeah, they add different dimensionality to your foods. Right. They say with this, the Grand Teton goes that they add a, a second edition of lactobacillus just before packaging to give it uh, oh, wow. an additional that's, layer of tart. That, that's something you don't see in most goes, yeah. right? I mean, so they're... I wonder how they do that. I guess lacto probably can come as a powder, right? And you just kind of grow I, it up. I don't and, know if you just... Or yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like sourdough, right? You yeah. could just take some of your malt, mm-hmm. take some of your malt, let it sit for a while, let it sour, and put that in your. Or you'd want to clean it up a little bit. You wouldn't want all the starch and everything. But so they also say that 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 ensures the beer will age gracefully because it's had some live uh, bacteria in it. Well, should have aged this. Should drank this in six years. <laughs> so the color is uh, back to. Back to sort of a bronzish, or maybe maybe more copperish, but uh, very cloudy. This is the first cloudy beer we've mm-hmm. had. The um, the aroma not cor- super cloudy, but pretty coriander is not a super big part of the aroma. It has kind of a tartness and has a wheat a wheatiness to the aroma. I say the coriander is coming through for me. Yeah, is it okay? Let's just see if you can smell any. Maybe it's, yeah, it's, should we mix? There's definitely more on my side. Yeah, we can blend. Blending the beer, fa la la la. For those of you who are not sharing your beer with a, with a pal, there's not uh, much need to blend, but we always, we, we find that occasionally when, when, well, we we have found there's battles. There's... Surprisingly, a lot. Yeah. There's bottle stratification. Right. And the first half of the beer you pour out of the bottle tastes different than the second half of the beer you pour out of the bottle. Who knows why? That's so. something you should study. Actually, that, that there's a reason. I would love to see a scientific study on that. 
but we have to make it really apparent to people that this needs to be studied. Right. So tell all your friends. Yeah, uh, so I think now that I blended it, the tartness is more apparent to me. It's a little more rounder. It has kind of this... Um, yogurty isn't how I want to describe it, though. How I, what is that? That's lactose, so it's the same... I know, but bacteria it, used in yogurt. I'm on a I'm on a lemon lime kick tonight. I'm getting something okay. that's kind of lemony. You know, it's this it's it's this little tartness, but it has a bit of lemon zest to it. One of the things yeah. I would express in terms of food pairing is tart goes well with tart. Um, and so mix this tart with other sour things, and you'll you'll really appreciate. It. I think it's not so much. It's not great as a contrast, but as a as a sort mm-hmm. of hug, it really is great. Moving on to the flavor, it has a nice balance to it. You get uh, the malt. There's a kind of a wheat character to it, but it's a nice balance between barley and wheat. Yeah, and then see for me, I'm, I'm not noticing the coriander all that much. There's and. You know, it, it's kind of goza, right? You get some tart tanginess. You get a little bit of saltiness. You know, that get, kind of get, digs into your tongue, gives you that umptiousness. And uh, the conditioned with lacto, it's not like crazy sour or anything. It's kind of on par with many gozas. The, uh, it's pretty good, though. I'm just saying, you know, like well, all these like things that we've been told about the beer, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to stand out. From the regular goza because of conditioned with lacto or things like that. What I'm getting is a more complex malt profile that kind of feels like a, a slightly darker wheat, like a bulgur wheat or something like that. Okay, I could go with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at the color too, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of this cloudy gold instead of a straw yellow. So it's almost like there's... Um, Maybe some dark wheat or some red wheat or something like that mm-hmm. in it. You know, a good sourness without going overboard, um, but also without being like undersoured. It definitely mm-hmm. has um, enough sour to satisfy. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, if you had your midline, like, you know, the average goza is at a five. Mm hmm. I'd say this one's at about six and a half or something. I was like going to say seven, so yeah. We're roughly in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. Now, that that's like, out of like many of the gozas that are out there mm-hmm. now, you know, if I was, comp- like, if I'm looking for We've some- had a couple of gozas coming up in other shows. I mean, we've got a lot of gozas. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the new IPA, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's kind of interesting because for a while it seemed like Berliner Weiss was going to take that point of being the, the the sour the easy sour of choice mm-hmm. but goza came in and it's a similar process right, right? It, but maybe the salt just makes it yummier it definitely brings out more of the flavors that's what salt does mm-hmm. uh, it excites your tongue essentially that whatever that ion process that that it's a uh, you know it's not a bad time to be a beer drinker right now. i mean especially <laughs> for many things but like who could have foreseen Four years ago, Goza yeah. being as hot as Goza is. Well, it's funny because I was talking, you know, the people at work always ask me about 
beer stuff because they know I do the show. And we were just at a Penn Brewery yesterday. Um, and I was talking about how when we started the show 11 years ago now, uh, how many breweries are there in the country? 300 maybe? Maybe a little bit more? That's a, that's a good question. I, I hesitate to guess. Uh, 10 years? There's 4,000 now. I think we're approaching 5,000 actually. Yeah. And, Three to six hundred, I'd say. Yeah, and and so the just one of the things I mentioned was the the quality of beers has gone up. The knowledge about how to make beers has gone up. Ingredients, uh, and, material, and equipment. the um, the competition. I mean, the the business side has become much more aggressive. Yeah. So we had a little bit of a multi-way Twitter conversation this week mm-hmm. about uh, things. Ballast Point and the the mango or the watermelon uh, Dorado is what spawned it off. And I, I had an idea that I really liked, but Twitter was the worst way possible to kind of put it out into the world. And that was... Snapchat it! I'm not sure if that'd be any better. Snapchat at Craft Beer Radio. That's going to be if you want to follow us during Friday and stuff. next Friday and yeah. next Saturday. But when is it going to go out? You know, like you have what's that? When is this going to go out? It'll go out before Saver. Okay, I'll get it out next day or two. Um, so this Saturday, this coming Saturday. Yes. Yeah, that would. I guess yeah, this coming Saturday, June third and June fourth, twenty sixteen. Just in case somebody's listening. <laughs> in the- I think they'll I think they'll pass by the topical information if they're listening to this. Later. Let's hope, but you never know. All right. So anyway, I kind of came up with, you know, we're talking about these sell-out breweries and big beer and the, the I, fruit. I, I don't by the way, I don't buy the term sell-out brewery. Sure. So. Fruit it. Well, there's there's a ton of nuance and that's the thing like I like like the one of my tweets I'm like Twitter, no nuance, right? You know, it's like mm-hmm. I understand yeah, yeah. that I'm not getting my point across. But, you know. Well, here's your chance to add nuance. Sure, absolutely. What what better bandwidth than with audio? You know, you have web and web 2.0, right? So, like, to me, I'm, I'm thinking, like, craft beer 2.0 is kind of something. Like, it feels to me like what we're in now is generationally different than what we've been in the last 10 years. For sure. For but, sure. But, like, over the last two years, there's been a threshold, right, that we've passed. So, sure. you know, that's why I'm thinking about, you know, we're in Craft Beer 2.0 right now. And what is Craft Beer 2.0? We've crossed the threshold. We're in the belly of the beast now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, so you at least agree with me that it's Craft Beer 2.0 in, yes. the, in the relative timeline that it, it we entered it. Yes. We're probably going to disagree on the uh, defining... Probably elements of craft beer 2.0 but you know some of the things that i feel and hart made a really good i'll talk about hart's reply in a moment but he made a really hart good johnson, point who's a local um yeah his twitter handle beer is, expert more hops m-o-a-r hops yeah, more hops yeah. um anyway runs piper's pub he's the sellerman at piper's, sellerman at piper's. yeah i don't know if bar manager would also be a title but he he pretty much is one of the main bar guys. A friend of the Piper's. show. Yes. Okay, so um, one of the things I feel about Craft Beer 2.0 is that, you know... We have a title, by the way, Craft Beer 2.0. Craft Beer Radio 2.0? No, no just the title of this okay. episode. 
Sorry. <laughs> Distracted me a little bit. Um, and I'm a little bit gassy. Burpee. Um, I feel that, you know, like what Ballast Point is doing, what Founders is doing, what a lot of brewers are doing, what kind of what Flying Doc did here to a degree with this limed beer is chasing market trends. Sure. As um, is, is a much more weighted part of their business plan than has been traditional. Now, wait a minute. Okay. That doesn't fly with me because... Okay. Well, I need to disagree, but... Well, it's in my nature. But that doesn't fly because what was the primary thing running the craft beer industry for seven, eight years? IPAs. Jumping on IPAs. Okay. Making a whole bunch of different types of IPAs. Making a whole bunch of very similar IPAs and stuff that was but, coming Okay, but, but still, you were still catering to the same core beer-drinking audience. Now that you're doing hard sodas and fruited beers out the wazoo, like Dorado, Watermelon Dorado, you're catering to a larger audience of alcopop drinkers. You're definitely catering like to a larger audience, but you're also catering to an audience that doesn't isn't looking for the same thing. They're looking for differences. They're... they're Right. They're uh, not... But, but, okay, so I mean, part of what I feel about this craft beer 2.0, and I'm not saying everyone's doing it. Okay, so there was the microbrew bubble in the 90s yes. and the crash. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the brewers that survived and thrived were the ones that were... I, you're you're gonna you're gonna rail me on this isn't a club. This isn't you know just a hobby. But you know there was the guys that were brewing what they wanted to brew, even though there was not the mass market for it. I don't they were disagree doing with IPAs. You on that. They I, were doing. I don't disagree with you on that because I think that the thing in, in, that happened in the '90s was more of a trendy fatty thing as opposed to well it was also investment got in the way too it was investors saying you know here's how a brew pub works with a a blonde and amber porter and you know as opposed to the the, the ones that survived at least i mean some i'm sure there were some that didn't survive that were making good stuff but the ones that survived were the ones that were that had a passion for the product so after the fallout of the microbrew bubble you had guys who were doing sustainable, slow growth and building something, and they were under the radar of the money people until they became so successful, right? And that's when... Right, the the, the rising tide came right, up. Right, that's when the roots of Craft Beer 2.0 started, and people started buying breweries, and big brewers started buying small brewers, and investors mm-hmm. wanted in on this game. So if and, I may interrupt you... sure. Uh, I think that what you may be getting to, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in the that, that '90s, that first bo- that first bubble, there was a playbook that a lot of people a, were playing. So with. you know, for the first bubble, I wasn't legal drinking age, right? right? So I, you know, I'm mostly me personally. What I'm trying to say here is I'm mostly talking about the the area after the bubble because mm-hmm. i don't have any experience with that i remember bubble. having like one or two sips of some beers and my dad got like joe's freaking ale or something i remember having and i liked it but i mean who knows uh <laughs> i like it today right. but anyway um but my point is that like you said that they were all playing by like half of the blonde half of the blonde. they're playing by some sort of basic playbook the playbook has changed but the there's still there's now still another, playbook. another playbook right. in 
So, okay. So one thing I didn't want to pass over, and that's kind of like, so I said, you know, after the bubble, brewers are making things they wanted to make because there wasn't a huge, they weren't chasing the market. They were brewing quality beer of traditional styles or innovative styles, one or the other. But it was, you're not going to call not hard alcohol, you know, hard sodas, innovative styles. You're going to call them market trends, right? I mean... Kombucha would be an example of sort of an innovative. No, that's 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 also that's a, that's a historical style, right? But I, but I'm saying like it's it's innovative in the sense that it wasn't hard. big and it right. and, and it got big naturally. Creamsicle hard soda is not yes, that's historical. Right. Okay, right. so you got okay. So um, Hart said that they didn't have to chase the markets because there was such a vacuum in that lull between bubbles that people the small group of people are desperate for anything different that's a very good point that's mm-hmm. why i wanted to bring it up and i don't have a perfect rebut i'm just throwing out an idea yeah, here yeah. i'm not t- i'm not trying to make i'm not trying to close uh closing no I, I i think that this is yeah i think this is not an argument this is a, a yeah. series of observations yeah. and i think they're they're perfectly valid i i think another example of chasing trends uh and a trendsetter in chasing trends uh, as they have been a trendsetter in craft beer for many, many years is, is Boston beer. They continue to, I mean, you know, there, there was a time when, when we started, Jim Cook was not, I'm not going to brew an IPA. Yeah. That's that's not I'm what I'm doing. pretty sure he told us that. He, yeah. ref- he, he denies that, but I'm pretty sure he told us that. He at least point. expressed that it wasn't in his interest, right? It, w- it wasn't something that he was really interested in doing. He was interested in brewing the stuff that he enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But market forces come in and you adapt. Uh, and they are on the forefront of just throwing out a whole... B- I mean, they, they have a lot of money, so they have, they have a lot of ability to do this. Now there are other... <laughs> places that have right. more money so you know it's it's interesting i think we're gonna hopefully everyone can uh, can deal with this long aside because i'm really into yeah. this i want to talk about it a little bit more and um i kind of want to earmark the jim cook the uh, boston beer thing because i want to talk about that and specifically but i want to kind of get back to the main thing first and that is kind of the timeline so there's the huge vacuum people doing quality you know uh award-winning, you know, traditional styles, or at least innovation on traditional styles, IPAs, Porter, Stouts, things like that. Now we get into Craft Beer 2.0, and the innovation has gone cuckoo. And cuckoo innovation, I'm fine with the cuckoo innovation. It's, like I said, we're chasing a market right now with this fruit fad. You know, the stuff that is like like anything from Bella's Point. Well, there's also, but we got into this, Segment because of Gozes. So there's also mm-hmm. chasing a sour fed. There's also right. chasing it's, But a... that's... See, I would argue that's not chasing a mass market. Why? I don't think that the sours and, you know... I, I Why me, is that not a mass market when it's certainly popular? Okay. For, I, I, so I qualify a mass market as non-people that don't traditionally drink beverages from craft brewers from from small breweries and you know the beverages that cater to those people are the hard sodas the super fruity cocktail beers right those are different the super fruity cocktail beers are different from what we've seen over many of the last because they're 
maybe because of the sweetness or something like that, right? But they're they're these things that are kind of more akin to wine coolers than beer that we've been seeing. My issue with, with, with your conception here is that you're not looking at this as a spectrum. You're looking at this as sort of quantized. That that these um these as you call them cocktail beers are sort of a separate kind of market from the main or, or like the the uh the craft beer market that you recognize the, the from 1.0 okay. and i think that as things expand that sort of pure okay. purity I, I hear doesn't you. i hear you i agree so the point that i would like to make that i haven't made yet is that is i feel that the hard soda market in the beer cocktail market is a very fickle market you know they go from the wine coolers to the limeritas to the watermelon dorados and then back again to whatever so if you're chasing this market this market's running away from you it's just like how the macro brewers get a bump in sales because they change the bud light label to this new blue label okay i i i take your point and i think it's a good point on the other hand i will say you would have you could have said the same thing about craft beer 10 years ago it's a very fickle market as the market expands, it becomes less fickle. Okay. This brings us back to Boston beer, actually. Mm-hmm. Fickle market, right? Boston, we've we've done more than our fair share of trying to promote to people that Boston beer is making good stuff. And then Boston... And trying new things. And trying new things. They're, they put out like 50 beers a year. Yeah. Many of them are really good beers. And Boston beer had a really shitty quarter last quarter. Yep. A really shitty quarter. In comparison to their other quarters, yeah. Right. So, yeah, there's a there's a fickleness there. You're making good points. I'm just trying to, you know, is this an easy concept? No, I mean, this a, is, yeah. the thing is, this is not an argument. This is more yeah. like throwing out concepts sure. and seeing what we can come up with. Right, uh, exactly. So, I mean... Yeah, I don't have a bulletproof argument, but I mean, it seems like you're agreeing with the some of the general generalities of what I I'm am. saying. So, so I mean, I don't think I have anything beyond a couple interesting generalities right. at the point. And yes, there's caveats, and you're pointing out the caveats. I, I just, you know, let's. I didn't want to, you know, dive in super deep. Well, you did. <laughs> Actually, you did. Well, I did, but <laughs> but we haven't. We haven't dived in super deep on trying to, you know, I didn't no, want I mean, to... Re- we could literally I'm do not a show re- on this. We I'm could... not rebutting every caveat, yeah, you know? Yeah. I'm like, yes, there's caveats. I, I know there's caveats. I know there's things I haven't even considered yet. Yeah. You know, but that, you know, I think, I'll, yeah, we're about done. That's That was my um, rough feel for what Craft Beer 2.0 is. I, I, I think, as I said, I gen... I, pretty much agree with you on on nearly everything but there are things that i think you're not considering and that i'm not considering and Mm -hmm. and that we both sort of no i i I like your point about you know well you're complaining about this fickle mass market when the the people you're kind of calling the um stable consumer is like I said, screwed over Sam Adams because they don't see them as a craft, right. you know, a good craft option. You know, they're going to, you know, like our next beer, Alpine Beer Company, maybe, <laughs> or I should say, Alpine before Green Flash merged with them. I didn't know Green Flash merged with Alpine. So they kind I, of have. I may, a, I may have. Yeah, you probably did. Yeah. So they have a, a um, kind of a production agreement. So like this beer, 
was not made at like the Alpine pub. It was made at the Green Flash plant in San Diego. And if we have it again next year, it'll probably be made at the Green Flash plant in Virginia Beach. Here we go. Alpine Duet. Yep. A West Coast IPA. 7% alcohol volume. Simcoe and Amarillo Hops. This is Best Buy the 9th of June. A cloudy... What would you call that? Brass, maybe? Cloudy brass? Yeah, I'll go with that. With a slightly bubbly head. Definitely has a dankness to the aroma. I would expect that as Dankness. There's some like grapefruit citrus there. Maybe some blood orange. Actually smells a little bit stronger. It smells almost like a little bit alcoholic. We're at what seven point oh ABV. Hmm. It's kind of amazing to me how Simcoe and Amarillo. I I gen I I don't like a lot when they're exposed too much but they do have a marriage that they can make mm-hmm. which is very very nice and this is an example of that. yeah i mean you know amarillo could be or both of them can be very mm-hmm. biological cat pee type things mm-hmm. and this one stays away from it this one gives you the um are you shaking your head you're no, not no, you're no, wobbling i'm, your I'm head. trying to figure out what it is yeah, it, it, right. it's kind of like a deep uh not so sweet peach with um with a bit of blood orange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the peach call. I think mm-hmm. the peach throws in kind of what I was missing trying to, to pull. There's a little bit... There's a little bit of, like, uh, green onions or something. Just a touch. It's not yep. too oniony. There's definitely but... some sulfuriness. Different from the other two hoppy beers we had tonight. This one mm-hmm. is exceedingly hoppy yes the malt is just playing an uh, you know a supporting role where the other two were hop the malt was a significant portion of the experience yeah this is close to it's not quite it's a little bit more malty than that but it's close to kind of saltine cracker malt just sort of a baseline yeah i'm getting kind of um pita you know for the malt right kind of like a, a pita bread Good call. Good call. But it's a duet of two hops. That's where the mm-hmm. name comes from. It's the Cascade or the Centennial or I can't <laughs> I know my brain knows the two hops. My <laughs> mouth would not say them. It is the Simcoe and Amarillo. Uh we should mention um craftbrewery.com slash Amazon. Oh yes! If you want to shop online, go there. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Right. Not backslash. Front... Why not backslash? Backslash will work. Well, but it's it's extraneous. <laughs> it shows how dumb you are. You use backslashes like dummies use backslashes <laughs> on the web. This is nice. I, I this is one of those Amarillo Simcoe hops 
mm-hmm. beers that I enjoy. On the paper, you'd hate it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, this is, uh, I, I've heard that, you know, some people out in the area, like, talk about, like, Alpine pre and per- post um, Green Flash partnership and the beers that are made at Green Flash. Generally, I hear that they've done a really good job of replicating the beers. I'm really happy with this. You do hear the occasional person saying, oh, it's not what it used to be. But, You're always going to get that. Yeah. Uh, that that said, one of the things I, I, I mentioned, I don't know if it was in this show or the pre-show, but I don't like the sellout mentality. I never have liked that mm-hmm. uh, in terms of describing anything. Because it just, all that means is that it's a larger market than it used to be. And so they they are trying to appeal to a larger market. And that means, yeah, they're going to lose some of their edge cases, but they're going to gain more right. people to enjoy them. Uh, I, you know, I think as long as they don't, uh, and, and as long as they don't lose their soul in the process, and you can define lose your soul in various ways. So I, there's no like absolute what lose your soul means, but as long as you don't, uh, fall away you keep yourself tethered to your original ideal i think it's okay craft beer philosophy right there you go it's been a good show got one more beer indeed definitely need to rinse the hoppy deliciousness out of the glass so we went west to the grand tetons and then to san diego now we're going east from where we are Product of Belgium. Pick this up as part of a beer club at work. This is the Petrus Aged Ale. Pale. Aged, Aged pale. pale. A uh, sour wild ale that's aged in their footers. It is 7.3% out by volume. On their quote-unquote sour scale, they call it a 5 out of 5. Golly. Uh, Michael Jackson, hee hee, the beer hunter, <laughs> chose the name in the late 1990s. He was the first to sell this beer in his beer clothes. All right, yeah, Petrus Aged Pale. So, I mean, the, the, the Petrus that I'm most familiar with, the one that I've had most often, <laughs> is uh, a Brune. Yeah, smell this one. Boom! It's a sour baby. Definitely has kind of a... So the color is... Sort of golden. The same color as all the appears tonight, <laughs> practically. It, it, it has been a, a close night in terms of color. But the smell is very uh, acetic, very uh, goose-like, right? It has, yeah, yeah, it's very goose-like. There's a very mineraliness to it, kind of a granite mm-hmm. chalkiness. There is... Um, Something that reminds me a little bit of Cecil Rope. It does smell five out of five sour. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is... That smells good. 7.3 ABV, which is a little bit higher than you'd expect from For, a yeah. Belgian sour. You'd expect it to be 5.5 five to 6.5. 7.3 is a little higher than you well, what we're used to, but I, I mean, I haven't had this one before, and I don't, mm-hmm. know, I don't really know. I don't have much experience with, with true Belgian sours, other than... I guess that's not necessarily the case, because... I mean, we've not... I don't... Have we ever had a Cantillon on the show? 
You might not have ever not had. Not a. Well, I, mean, I know I've had the goose. Uh, but I don't know if we've ever had on the show. I don't think we've ever had a Cantillon on the show. Hmm. That's sort of the archetypical goose. The one that's... I mean, Cantillon's archetypical, or I guess the rock star, Belgian sour maker. And I mean, some of the others, I guess, would be uh, Phantom. Mm -hmm. Had a couple Phantom, had a Phantom, I think just one. And I was out in Philly with John Rubio. And he mentioned that they had some problems. Like, he has a video where they were pouring a phantom on their show. And it looked like slime. Like, mm. it was so ropey and, and gelatinous. Mm. that. So they've had some spoilers problems. But they've kicked that. And depending on what time of year the phantom is made, it either tastes like pineapple or strawberries. Hmm. But, you know, it's Saison, right? That makes sense, right? Because it, it, it's, you know, we, we don't have much... It's less apparent that beer is an agricultural product mm-hmm. than it used to be, right? So, but you know, we had one, and it was like pineapple. It was really, you know, exactly what he said he was getting into. And uh, man, I wish I could get some more Phantom because that was a really good saison. Well, it was really. <laughs> Greg Snapchatting. Oh, I just I just erase it. So so much for womp, that. Womp womp. That lightning will never be bottled. Nope. My brilliance is too bright for Snapchat. Oh, this just smells so good. Hmm. So, what what is that? It's kind of a... It's funny, the first thing I'm noticing is kind of like a gingery to it the, the thing that was coming to mind i don't know if this is correct or not was sort of like hickory okay yeah there's a kind of woodiness there mm-hmm. do you get the ginger at all like sort like of. ginger ale type yeah yeah okay yeah i know what you're saying there so again this is aged in their oak photos so it's getting some woodiness there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not as sour as it smells. Right. There's this there's this multi bump, this kind of raisin bread multi bump to it that kind of keeps the sour from getting too digging into your cheeks and stuff like that. Yeah, there's no pink drink. But I'm still salivating from mm-hmm. the the delicious umptuous sourness in this thing. Or I mean, to give it uh, last week we had consecration, which I believe was more sour than this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has kind of a um, touch of tobacco, mm-hmm. almost a cola type note to it too. You get that? I mean, it's it's woody. It it there, there, there's the okay. woodiness, the oakiness is coming through. I don't know yeah. if because I'm not saying, saying meg, right? I'm getting it though. I'm not saying right. it tastes like a soda, but there's a, like a cola type touch to it. I think it's debatable. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I just mm-hmm. think it's um, depends on how you look at it. It's one of those perspective things. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more like oaky and a little bit of chicory or something like that. Chicory or hickory? Which is it? Both. Yes, both. 
don't know. I, what, what is the difference? I don't know. I mean, hickory is generally thought of in a smoke context, mm-hmm. right? I mean, trying to think of hickory where it's not the smoke context is probably difficult. Probably just woody at that point. And what is chicory? Chicory is kind of a, a woody licorice type. You know, something that has a touch of licorice. Like, I'm not saying it smells like, tastes like licorice, but something lending towards that, right? They're both woody. So I think that um, I don't know that there's much of a difference. I think they're they're kind of interchangeable, but uh, I don't know that for sure. I war- feel free I, to I put, I put my glasses, my hands around the glass to warm it up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it, plenty warm. We have the. It's probably pr- plenty. Where is it? It's right there beside. Yeah, it's probably plenty warm. But I warmed it up even more, and it really brought out some kind of. Um, yes, it's sixty four on the surface. That means it's like around sixty. Right, but when I warmed it up, I, I brought out strawberry, like oh, really, really right. ripe strawberry. It, it got a lot more fruity and took away from, you know, the woodiness decreased and the fruitiness increased. All right. What are those beers? I mean, like Wassail is an example. What are those beers that that, uh, that you heat up? or, or that... Yeah, there's, I mean, Wassail Wassel, is um, it's beer and wine and spices and mm-hmm. apples. I've made it before. It's, it's good. Um I use the Elton Brown recipe. Uh, we have a beer back in the cellar uh, from Unibrew, uh, Cocolachos, which mm-hmm. is a cherry beer. It says, uh, drink on ice or warm. Hmm. Drink now or in 2022, I think. Uh, that, well, it's only... That beer is over 10 years old. We okay. could probably I got two of those. We could probably crack one of those soon. We could, but I mean... So we'd have to wait eight more years. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe, no, it, was, maybe, maybe it was six more years. Maybe it was 2012. I don't know. We'll have to see. I thought it was 2020 something. Yeah, as you warm it up, the fruitiness really comes out. You kind of you get some strawberry. You get um, guava, maybe. Um. What else? I sort of see where you're getting that, but I I kind of I kind Pas- of feel they're all fruit? they're all kind of extensions of of sort of sappy oakiness. And uh, see, I'm not there. I'm more into like the citrus, you know, the tropical rainforest. Now I'm like passion fruit, guava. What What does your surface tell you? I just I mean, want to see what you how... can take a sip out of my glass if you would like. Seventy two. Okay. Yeah, I'll give, take a sip. Take a small sip because I like that. Are you there? No? Yeah, maybe. I can't say you're wrong. Because I'm not. <laughs> and that could be an example of why I can't say you're wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, All right. This is the uh, Petrus yeah. Age Pale, and that's delicious. It's, it's, it's very good. It has a lot of dimensionality to it, especially when you warm it up. Mm-hmm. And wrap the show? Well, we don't have any beers left, do we? <laughs> <laughs> and grab that kukla chos if you want. All right, pretty good show. No, no hard luck yeah, losers tonight. Yeah. Well, I may no, no. There is a hard luck loser tonight because none oh, yes, of these beers deserve right, yeah. to be last place. Um, golly, what golly beer did I gee. hate the most? Golly gee. Yeah. Okay, I, I haven't. Well, all right. 
Okay, uh, I'll start. Um, at the bottom of the stack, I think I'm going to put the loose cannon. Hard luck loser, for sure. I mean, it does not deserve to be last. Uh, I What I liked about it was uh, kind of that, that juicy hop character that it pulled. Um, it had a big maltiness to go with it. Uh, just above that, I'm going to put the yards, which I enjoyed this one thoroughly. I liked... The esteriness from the Belgian yeast, the wheat, the juicy hops. That one really uh, was nice. It also doesn't show its fourth place finish. And now it gets really tough. I think I'm going to put the duet in fourth place. It was a really good West Coast IPA. I enjoyed the uh, kind of play and how like Greg, you know, on paper Greg would hate it. It sounded like a sulfury capitalist yeah. mess, and it wasn't not at all. So it was a wonder. It was a masterful use of those two hops. Mm-hmm. Third place. So the three beers we got left were all stellar beers, in my opinion. I'm gonna put. Numero Uno in the third place. I really like that beer. I thought that, you know, that the cream ale type character with a lime, I just thought that's a great, very drinkable beer, summertime beer, whatever it is, it's just drinkable. And think about, you know, analyze it or not, it, it, it just fits. It goes in well. Uh, in the second place, I'm going to put the um, Gran Tito and Goza. Uh, so two sours at the top of the show, but they were quality sours uh this goes a really hit the spot with um drinkability it had the right amount of saltiness with i i never really did pick up on the coriander that's on the label yeah but all the other parts and like came through any aroma richer richer wheat character that it had compared to some goes was a really neat character and i'll put this petrus that we're drinking now in first place because of the dimensionality that it has mm-hmm. the deepness of flavor this one told the best story tonight especially when you warm it up and you can well maybe not the mm-hmm. best story but it's the most explorable well, and, I, th- I think i i'm not disagreeing with you yeah. i just um it's interesting because i don't know whether we have a reputation or not but it, it's definitely i think a, a a quality of our show that we're not super ipa guys and i mean we're a good IPA will win if it if it wins. I, mean, I think last not... week kind of shows that we don't always rank the hotness. You know, like, yeah. Well, something uh, we we put the, the the Namaste, which is a great wit beer, mm-hmm. in first place over top of Consecration. Right, but what I'm saying is, we're not. I'm surprised no hate mail came in for that. We're not jumping on 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 the hop train always or or the IPA train, but that could be. As we have mm-hmm. talked about in this show, uh, that IPAs are not the forefront of uh, beer anymore. They're they're more of a standard. They're more of a uh, still great innovation. Yeah, but they're still there is great innovation. But they they are, uh, or at least I still consider them at least in some part to be the spicy tuna roll of oh, okay. beers. Right. The the you check a brewery based on how well they can do an IPA, but there are other things to consider in terms of other beers and other interesting asides. 
All that being said, my number six beer is like you, the loose cannon. I, I again, hard luck loser in, but it t- definitely it, it didn't have the the either the innovation or the it, the exceptionally well done melange that, for instance, the duet had. Right, because duet was not mm-hmm. exactly an innovative beer, but it was very harmonious in what they managed to achieve. Right. And the duet was not confused at all, and it was a very, very good uh, American IPA with uh, with a decent amount of malt to to give it some some extra buoyancy. But just hard luck loser, as I said this time. Number five, uh, I'm going to put the Flying Dog. Actually, I again enjoyed that beer very much. Uh, I just think the other beers had more going for them. Uh, had more to 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 hit my palate, mm-hmm. uh, but I appreciate what I definitely appreciate what Flying Dog is doing. I'm going to go number four. Going to put the Alpine, uh, Simcoe and Amarillo. They get it to work. It, it's we've said it four times on the show. I think on paper I wouldn't like it. It works in the glass. Different story. Absolutely. Number three, I'm going to put the Yards. I do think that was the best IPA of the night. I think that there was a lot going for it. Definitely was going in that phase three IPA direction. Okay. Uh, more tropical, uh, but also had a nice maltiness to go with it, too. The, and don't forget the Belgian, right? The, uh, the, the, yeah, the Belgian character added adding some extra stuff that you may not notice if you don't look at it in that way, but there, it's definitely adding character. Number two, and this was a tough choice, but I'm going to put the Petrus as number two because right. I found that the Grand Teton gave me something that uh, I was, I didn't know I was looking for in a Goza, but it was more just slightly maltier wheat okay. to give it a, a oh, little it had, bit more yeah, sweetness. The, the richness yeah. that it had, it had a more body. Right for Goza than is traditional or is common, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I agree with you. That was, I mean, I put it second, but that was one of the reasons I really enjoyed that beer was because of that wheat body that right. it had. So that, I mean, again, no beer is a loser this week. Uh, the ranking is always a gimmick that we do, <laughs> uh, but occasionally there are there are real distinctions. There are real losers and real winners in this case. Everyone's a winner. So. That's you get a win. You get a win. You get a win. Everybody gets a win. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. We really do appreciate it. Uh, tune in next week to listen to, uh, what is it, 18 hours of Saver yeah, coverage. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Uh, all the Saver Slons will be the next thing you find on the feed. And if that's not your bag, we'll be back uh, shortly afterwards with our next awesome show. I'm sure it'll be great. Craft Beer Radio is released under a Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to support the show, go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. If you want to contact us, at Jeff Bear on Twitter. At CBR Greg. On Twitter. At Craft Beer Radio on Twitter. At Craft Beer or I don't know if it's like at, but Craft Beer Radio on Snapchat. Something on Snapchat. You can see all kinds of stuff that disappears after a day, which I don't understand why we'd want it to disappear after a day 
just think of it as like if you don't care fine and if you do care great that's to me that's twitter why why does it it have to disappear it's just it's so twitter at least you can look in an archive snapchat is extraordinarily disposable all right i'll have to find some extraordinarily disposable stuff to put on our snapchat email if you're a dinosaur who uses email you can hit beer at craftbeerradio.com. If you want to send us a post U.S. postal note, you can send it to Craft Beer Radio, 710 Hilling Court, Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania, 16066. Send a self-addressed stamped envelope, and we'll send you something very cool. We will. We will. Yes. Self-addressed stamped envelope to 710 Helen Court, Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania, 16066. It may not fit in the envelope. We'll have to squeeze it in. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody.